and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, giants. Yes, we're delving a little further into that topic, the topic of giants. And I linked this article that I'm looking at today at the Twitter account, UFO Warning. You can also get there by going to at Warning Sub UFO. And have a look around and see what you think. If you happen to follow, I try to do follow-backs. Now, this article came from ancient-organs.net. It was published on January 16th, excuse me, January 18th, 2016. So it goes back a few years. But I found it to be quite interesting. It starts off, it's, the title is Top 10 Giant Discoveries in North America. Now, there has been a lot written about a lot of these uh, supposed discoveries of uh, giant skeletons, skeletons of giants that took place back in the late 1800s to the early 1900s as as, um, settlers began to move across the country, uh, disrupt the land that was there, and and just began exploring and digging and doing a lot of um, amateur archaeology and, and some might even say looting of Native American sites. Now, the article begins, it says, the Iroquois, the Osage, the the Tuscarawas, the Hurons, the Omahas, and many other North American Indians all speak of giant men who once lived and roamed in the territories of their forefathers all over what is now the U.S. are traditions of these ancient giants. Over 100 accounts of seven-foot and taller skeletons have reportedly been unearthed from ancient burial sites, excuse me, over 1,000 accounts, unearthed from ancient burial sites over a 200-year period in North America. Newspaper accounts, town and county histories, letters, scientific journals, diaries, photos, and Smithsonian ethology reports have carefully documented this. These skeletons have been reported from coast to coast with strange anatomic anomalies such as double rows of teeth, jawbones so large as to be fit over the face of the finder, and elongated skulls documented in virtually every state. Now, if you go to uh, the Twitter account, UFO Warning, and you uh, go onto this link, you'll see a quite a nice little map here where they've plotted out all the different findings. A lot of... Um, a lot of findings located throughout uh, the central and east central United States, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Wisconsin. A lot of the areas where settlers first first came to America. Smithsonian scientists identified at least 17 skeletons that stood over 7 feet in their annual reports, including one example that was 8 feet tall and a skull with a 36-inch circumference from Anna, Illinois, in the Smithsonian Annual Report of 1873. An average human skull is about 20 inches in circumference. Now this thing's bigger than Andre the Giant. And we see here a, a, a familiar name, the Smithsonian Institution. Seems like this thing is a black hole for archaeological evidence. That is non-conventional. It says the Smithsonian Institution is mentioned dozens more times as the recipient of enormous skeletons from across the entire United States. 
The skeletons mentioned no longer seemed to exist regardless of their actual size as the remaining ones that were on display were removed and repatriated to the NAGPRA, Native American Graves Protection Repatriation Act. While the authors certainly support this law, it does present a moral and ethical conundrum in terms of trying to ascertain the proof everyone wants to see, physical evidence of giants. And you have to ask yourself, I mean, were these giant skeletons found? There's some debate here, and I'm going to just step off the ledge and not be politically correct. Possibly, as some people think, these giants are no relation and there's no genetic uh, chain there between them and modern Native American people. And I think that we saw this with the, uh, Kine the Kinepic man that was found out in Washington State a few years ago, where the DNA just does not match up. So what would be an ulterior motive here for Native Americans to repatriate bones that don't belong to them? Well, they want, I mean, they have a vested interest and their claims on this land, and quite frankly... Without, with, quite frankly, just being insensitive here, or whatever, it would be in their interest for the world not to know that this place was populated by a completely different genome sometime in the distant past. And the Smithsonian certainly seems to be okay with that. I mean, they don't seem to be, haven't seemed to make too much effort to uh, run the DNAs on these giants to see what what people group they belong to. It, it almost seems as if there's a little bit of collusion here between possibly the Native American tribes and the Smithsonian to keep this, this scientific evidence of giants out of the public record. Once again, we're seeing a lack of transparency. Once again, we're seeing what looks like deep state operatives uh, colluding with whoever happens to be handy to make sure that we don't find out what's really going on. Because if we find out that these things actually aren't fully human, if we find out that these things uh, don't have any genetic relation to the Native American people, then it's going to open up a whole box of worms. Now we go on down the, the article here. It shows uh, a, a collage of newspaper articles uh, from uh, that time period talking about finding uh, Native, uh, finding these giant uh, skeletal remains and some people could argue that these uh, newspapers were simply engaging in hyperbole to sell more papers. At the same time, though, when you consider the record of the, of the Smithsonian has of finding these giant skeletons, seven foot or better, along with the uh, contemporaneous news articles, you have to, it really lends credence to the fact that a large number of um, giant skeletons were unearthed at about this time. The article continues, it says, in this unique top ten, we look at some examples of giant skeletons that were reported from ancient, that, that were reported from across ancient North America, although we warn you now that the number one is so large, we admit it may not be authentic. Our countdown begins at one of the most important mound sites in America, and quite possibly the world. And then it has some pictures here, some skulls. It says, Top 10 Giants. And it goes with, Number 10, Serpent Mound, Ohio, 1890s. Seven foot tall skeleton. It has a map here of uh, this Indian uh, burial ground or, 
or effigy mounds where they found this skeleton at reportedly. The Great Serpent Mound is a 1,370 foot long prehistoric effigy mound located near Peebles that had been roughly thoroughly researched rather by Ross Hamilton who has written extensively who has written extensively about it about its mysteries and the giants discovered in the area. Recent radiocarbon analysis dates it to around 321 BC. This puts it in the realm of the Andina civilization who were present in the area at this time. In the 1890s, Professor Frederick Ward Putman excavated some of the mounds next to Serpent Mound and found only and found only six foot tall skeletons, but a postcard showing one seven foot night was recently rediscovered by researcher Jeffrey Wilson. It may have been one of those excavated by Putman as he was the only person to dig at that site. Ross first published his book, A Tradition of Giants, and it clearly states that it was from Serpent Mound on the postcard, but there is still debate as to where this photo of a seven-foot skeleton was actually taken. Notice that the legs are cut off at the knees, so so is seven-foot what we actually see, or is an estimation if he had his lower legs and feet attached, could it have been more like eight feet tall if the shins and feet were intact? Now it goes on here and it says number nine has a picture of this uh, fairly large skeleton. It says skeleton of mound builder seven foot in length. And this is what a lot of these people at the time thought that these giants were in relation to the mound builders. And you have to wonder if that's not correct. It seems like a lot of the uh, ancient, uh, whether they're pyramids or, or great buildings, have been associated with giants or with extremely large humans. Possibly these giants were using the Native Americans as slave labor to build these mounds. I mean, they don't really seem to serve a purpose. We're talking about an ancient civilization here, a Stone Age civilization. No invention of the wheel, no discovery of iron, they're feeding themselves, you know, through rudimentary uh, efforts, growing uh, corn or what, or what would be referred to as maize. You wouldn't think these people would hardly be able to grow enough to eat, let alone spend all their time creating these giant, and I mean giant, piles of dirt that cover acres and acres and acres. What's the point? doesn't seem to serve anything, you know. Kind of like the pyramids. What does it serve? It's it's as if these people are being forced to build these giant monuments. Now this is number nine, Cresap Mound, West Virginia, 1959, seven foot two inch skeleton. In 1959, Dr. Donald Dragu, the curator of the section of man at the Carnegie Museum, unearthed a seven foot two inch skeleton during the complete excavation of the Cresap Mound in Northwest Virginia. This individual was of, a lar was of large proportions when measured in the tomb. His length was approximately seven foot, and all of the bones were very heavy. And then it has a picture of them there, and then it has a picture of the artifacts and how the tomb was arranged. Uh, it goes on to say, and in this picture, figures have a ground plan of, Cres of Cresap Mound showing the clay floor, level and below the giant skeletons on the middle right. Dragu published a photo of the actual skeleton in his book. 
So there is no doubt about it, it was authentic. Dragut joins many other university trained anthropologists and archaeologists who reported discovering skeletons over seven feet in length in burial mounds, often with anatomical anomalies. A few of the professionals reporting these skeletal finds were Dr. Walter B. Jones, Moundsville, Alabama, seven foot six inch and seven and many seven footers, Dr. Forrest Clements, head of anthropology at the University of Oklahoma six seven-foot skeletons, and Dr. Donald A. Kadzu, Cambridge University's seven-foot, five-inch skeleton found in Pittsburgh, with many other skeletons with anatomic, anatomic anomalies reported. Dr. Brighton Cummings, head of the archaeology department at the University of Arizona, considered the dean of southwestern archaeology, several over eight-footers, Thomas Wilson, curator of the prehistoric anthropology of the Smithsonian, verified an eight-foot skeleton with massive jawbone. W.J. Holland, curator of Carnegie Museum, unearthed an eight-foot skeleton in Pennsylvania, as reported in many scientific journals, including Scientific American. So we've just read an entire list of legitimate archaeologists working for big-name universities who have found skeletons seven and eight feet. Now, here's another one. Number eight, Mounds in Iowa, 1897, 7-foot, 6-inch skeleton. Now, think about this. You had a culture of Native Americans, supposedly, that were building these uh, immense mound structures all throughout the Midwest. This covered a period of, covered an area of hundreds of miles, thousands of square miles. Now, just think, if you have an area that takes in 10 or 20 acres, and these guys were building these Mounds may be 20, 30, 40, 50 foot tall, one uh, basket of dirt at a time. I mean, I've seen where people have tried to work the math out on this, and it's kind of like with the pyramids. We're told that it's all done with human labor without the use of the wheel. But you look at the size of these things, whether it's the mounds or the pyramids, and you have to ask yourself, we're, we're talking about, in the case of Pyramid, you know, thousands upon thousands of these stones had to be placed in order. With these with these mounds, you literally had tens of thousands of buckets that of dirt that had to be piled on top of each other and arranged in, the, in, in whatever effigy that they were uh, displaying, whether it was a snake or the bird or whatever. This took a high degree of organization, and it had to have taken tens of thousands of, tens of, thousands of man hours of work. I want you to stop and think about that. Just imagine yourself living in the countryside today, and everything that you had to eat, you had to grow in your garden. And maybe there were a few deer available or small game that you could hunt on the side. But you're talking about population bases that had to have been made up of thousands and thousands of people. And they're living in another garden. Now, how in the world would you have enough time and energy to build these mounds, it makes you wonder what was going on. And okay, let's just say they did build them. Let's just let's just say that they did it. Would they have done this just because for the pure enjoyment of building a mound? We didn't see this behavior when the when 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 the first Europeans came into this country. What we found was hunting and gathering societies where the natives spent their time hunting and gathering, and if they had any time left over, they rested. Why would you go to the effort of putting up these huge, gigantic, you know, mounds that took up acres and acres and acres? The, the effort that was involved was monumental. 
And then what did they find at the center of these mounds? These giant skeletons. It's almost as if it's almost as if these people were possibly were being ruled by these giants, taken advantage of by them, intimidated by them. It would be so nice to know what the DNA on one of these things was. Now this is number eight, mounds in Iowa. 1897, 7-foot, 6-inch skeleton. In the account from the Worthington Advance, November 18, 1897, describes the ethological work of the Smithsonian Institution's Division of Eastern Mounds and quoted the director of the Bureau of Ethiology at the time, John Wesley Powell. The image below accompanied the news report. It is a matter of official record that in digging through a mound in Iowa, the scientists found the skeleton of a giant who, judging from actual measurement, must have stood seven feet six inches tall when alive. The bones were crumbled to dust when exposed to the air. Now, this is something that could have happened uh, quite possibly uh, when they were just on a, a maybe a routine archaeological expedition, or possibly this happened uh as the land was turned into farmland. Number seven says, Steelville, Missouri, 1933, eight-foot skeleton. As part of the search for the Lost Giants show, Jim and fellow researcher James Clary investigated the following account that had this heading. An ancient Ozark giant dug up near Steelville. Stranger discovery made, strange discovery made by a boy looking for arrowheads gives this Missouri town an absorbing mystery to ponder. And then it says from the Steel Phil Ledger, June 11, 1933, he turned up the complete skeleton of an eight-foot giant. The grizzly find was brought to Dr. R.C. Parker here and stretched out to its enormous length in the hallway of his office, where it has since remained the most startling exhibit Steelville has ever had on public view. And here they have a picture of it. While reading through the microfilm at the Steelville Library, three reports of the find were uncovered, including the photo that shows Les Eaton, a six-foot man, laid out next to the eight-foot skeleton in Dr. Parker's office. And you can certainly see the difference between uh, a man who's six-foot tall and this eight-foot tall giant. Now we have one here, and I'll finish up, and you can read the rest of them if you like. Later on, number six, Miamisburg, Montgomery County, Ohio, eight foot, one and a half inch skeleton. It says, Miamisburg Mound is believed to have been built by the Adena culture anywhere between 1000 to 200 BC. And there again, we're talking about this culture that built these uh, giant mounds, I think 40, 50, 60, 70 foot up in the air. They just piled up the dirt one basket at a time. How many people would it take to do that? I mean, you can you can just watch a road project and see that it takes a little while with modern heavy equipment and giant dozers to uh, build a, to build an incline, say, to put a bridge across, or to, or to move a a large amount of dirt. I mean, these guys are if you if you stop and think about it, what this culture did with this mound building, the amount of dirt moved, and the way they changed the and, the, and how they uh, manipulated the landscape would be compatible with, say, uh, an interstate interchange where you have, uh, you know, four, five, six lanes interchanging. So this is, you know, maybe 40, 50 acres of dirt or more 
being moved around. It's hard to it's just hard to believe that people would do that for no good reason. Now this says Miami Berg Mound is believed to have been built by the Adena culture anywhere between 1000 to 200 BC. It is the largest conical burial mound in Ohio, once nearly 70 foot tall, the height of a seven-story building. Now think about that, 70 foot tall. And most of your small towns through places like Ohio, Indiana, Iowa, I mean, in a typical town like that, a four-story building is a complete oddity. You know, a building 40, 50 foot tall is out of the ordinary. These things are 70 foot tall. That's enormous. It says the height of a seven-story building and 877 feet in circumference. 877 feet in circumference. Hugh investigated the site in September of 2012, and after taking and after talking to some researchers at the local historical society, he found there were other skeletal remains reported in the nearby area. Numerous skeletal remains were uncovered from the mound, including a giant jawbone and bones of unusual size. But it was the discovery of it was the discovery half mile away that became a national sensation and was reported in the Middletown Signal january seventeenth, eighteen ninety nine, with the headline Bones of Prehistoric Giant Found near Miamisburg. It goes on, it says, quote, the skeleton of a giant found near Miamisburg is a cause of much discussion, not only among the curious and literate, but among the learned scientists of the world. The body of a man more gigantic than any ever recorded in human history has been found in the Miami Valley in Ohio. The skeleton is the skeleton it is calculated must have belonged to a man eight feet one and a half inches in height. Professor Thomas Wilson, curator of of prehistoric anthropology at the Smithsonian Institution said the following after examining the find. The authenticity of the skull is beyond any doubt. Its, antiqu its antiquity is unquestionably great. To my own personal knowledge, several such crania were discovered in, Hope in the Hopewell group of mounds in Ohio. The jaws were prognathous, projecting beyond the face, and the facial index remarkably low. So here we have this protruding jaw with with the uh, uh, lower forehead. It's almost it's almost as if they are of a humanoid shape, not fully human, or at least something other than human. Now this is number five, the San Diego Giant, 1895. It says it was an eight foot four inch mummy. It goes on and says this fascinating discovery reports on a giant mummy found in San Diego that is currently believed to be a hoax. And then it has a picture there. We go on down here to number four. And we talked about Catalina uh, in the last podcast. Number four, Catalina Island, California. Nine foot, two inch skeleton and other seven foot and eight foot examples. The Channel Islands off the coast of California have turned up numerous oversized skeletons. The story is intriguing and controversial. And, it's, and it stars amateur archaeologist Ralph Glidden and his Bizarre Museum. But before the main act, a German naturalist got the story going in 1913. Dr. A.W. Furstenen reported unearthing an eight-foot-tall skeleton with artifacts such as mortar, pestles, and arrowheads on Catalina. 
he was told of a legend while in Mexico of a giant and noble race that lived on the islands who existed long before the white man and had, and had since vanished. Amateur archaeologist Ralph Glidden unearthed and collected a total of 3,781 skeletons on Channel Island between 1919 and 1930, working for the Hay Foundation of New York. He unearthed a 9-foot, 2-inch skeleton and several measuring over 7 feet. It says a skeleton of a young girl, evidently of high rank, within a large, with a large funeral urn, was surrounded by those of 64 children, and in various parts of the island, more than 3,000 other skeletons were found. And it goes on and says, um, it talks about males averaging 7 feet 8 inches from the top of his head to the ankle, and another being 9 feet 2 inches. My goodness. Now it goes on here and it has another one, Beaver Lake Ozark Caves, Arkansas, 1913. Nearly 10 foot skeleton and huge skulls. And it has an article that goes along with this. It says, During the filming of Search for the Lost Giants, the site of the cave was investigated. It had been flooded with the damming and creation of Beaver Lake between 1960 and 1966. Bill Vieira and professional scuba diver Mike Young dived into the lake and found a huge shelter cave believed to be the site of the skeletal finds. While a 70-foot stone wall was found at the entrance of the cave showing likely human habitation, no more clues were forthcoming. Text from the original article reads as follows. And it just talks about this. It says, While the historical features of the Ozarks held our attention, by far the most fascinating discovery was one made by an aged recluse and naturalist who for ten years had lived in a shelter cave near where we camped. Dad Regan spent much of his time digging in the ashes which which formed the floor of many of these caves. At a depth of more than three feet, he found the remains of several giant human skeletons, including an almost perfect skull, which differed in, in many particulars from a modern specimen. When partly joined, the largest skeleton was almost ten feet tall. Dad Regan's showed us hieroglyphics covering the palisades, thought to be thousands of years old. And we can get into that in some other show, but where uh, hieroglyphics haven't been found in places like the Grand Canyon and throughout the Southwest. And you have to wonder, uh, how did these giants get here? And did they have their own culture? Now, this is number two, Lompoc Rancho, California, 1819 to 18, uh, 12-foot skeleton, it says. And it goes on, it says... Uh, Quote, in 1819, an old lady saw a gigantic skeleton dug up by soldiers at the Parismia in Lompoc Rancho. The natives deemed it a god, and it was reburied by direction of the Padre. It says, this short report reemerged with a broader range of details in 1833, and now various authors and websites repeat the same story. It goes something like this, soldiers digging a pit for the powder magazine at Lompoc Rancho in California hacked their way through a layer of cemented gravel and found a 12-foot sarcophagus. The skeleton of a giant man about 12 feet tall was found inside. The grave was surrounded by carved shells, huge stone axes, two spears, and thin sheets of periphia, a purple mineral with quartz, covering the skeleton. These were covered with unintelligible symbols. He had a double row of teeth, both upper and lower, 
the soldiers consulted a local tribe of Indians who, after going into trance, exclaimed they were geographically displaced Alagiwa Indians from the Ohio Valley area. When the natives began to attach some religious significance to the find, authorities ordered the skeletons and all the artifacts secretly reburied. And then finally, the last one they have listed here was West, Hentry, West Hickory, Pennsylvania, 1870. And this one, they claim, is an 18-foot skeleton. It says they exhumed an enormous helmet of iron, which was corroded with rust. Further digging brought to light a sword, which measured 9 feet in length. It says it was estimated to be 18 foot tall, and the bones were being prepared to be sent to New York. Clearly, however, this could be an exaggeration, as 18 foot is unheard of in the historical record. But the matter-of-fact description is intriguing. Interestingly, the discovery was reported to be buried 12 feet below a mound, so it could suggest a deep antiquity, however tall he was. Now, this is uh, what we see over and over through this um, discussion about giants in North America. There does seem to be a close association with the mound builders of America. The descriptions of the giants do seem to be very, some just seem to be extra-large humans, and some seem to be some sort of uh, possible human-alien or human-non-human uh, entity hybrid when we consider that they are described with double rows of teeth and oftentimes six figures, six fingers. I would also remind you that um, when we get into the Old Testament, we talk about Goliath and other giants that are mentioned. They talk about them having six fingers. Whatever, whatever uh, importance that is, I'm not sure, but it's it's interesting that it is not only that it's mentioned in the Old Testament, but it's also mentioned in some of these giants that were reportedly found. The other thing that we the other the other commonality that runs through these reports is that even from a hundred years ago, it seems as though as soon as these giants are found, sometimes sometimes a few of them slip through the cracks and pictures are taken or they are uh, put on display for a little while, but oftentimes they seem to be swept up and whisked off to these universities, to these museums, never to be seen again. So it's as if, it is if it's as if, in my opinion at least, that these giants, that the evidence of these giants does represent some kind of secret knowledge that uh, the common people are not meant to know about. So maybe in death, these uh, giants are keeping their secrets the same way they kept their secrets from the very people who were uh, building these uh, complex and giant mound systems or ancient monuments at their direction. At any rate, it's a fascinating topic. There's lots and lots of stuff available to look uh, up and research on giants. Uh, there are a lot of different people that are doing research in it, a few celebrity-type I guess you would almost say researchers. And it's just another one of those phenomena that it's fun to research. And it's also fun to ask ourselves, how are these connected to the UFO phenomena in particular? And also to the paranormal phenomena or even to uh, the deeper ancient mystery phenomena. Until next time, this is UFO Warning over and out.